Because we want to share with you the truth of things that God's word says. But sometimes in doing that, we have to dispel some things that we act like it says, but it doesn't. Okay? Right? And this is the one today is that God just wants you to be happy. Actually, there's something he wants for you a whole lot more than that. And if you just get that, life's not going to turn out too great. We can grab some scripture, and let's grab one in Proverbs before we get to First Peter, okay? In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20, it says, he, it says, He who heeds the word wisely will find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. And you might say, well, you know, I love to be happy. I mean, I do. I've just got that kind of personality. I mean, there are some of you out there, I'll not call any names, but you can be like really happy, and it's like people just can't tell so much. But when I'm happy, you know it. And somebody even told me that they said, I saw you doing your happy dance. Anybody still do happy dance? I sometimes do my happy dance, and they said, I saw you. And I'm like, I don't remember being happy. They said, no, I saw you out there, and you're going like that. I said, no, it's, I wasn't. It's this time of year. It's, it's all the spider webs, you know. It's out there. You know, you're, you're constantly, I mean, people like having some kind of fit out there. You notice that? People think something's going on. It's the spider webs a lot of times. You know, you're, no one else can see them, but all of a sudden you're just like, you know, all that. But uh, it might be happy dance or it might be spider webs. So the thing is, is that uh, if, if you think that God really somehow owes you just happiness and that, that, that God is there to make things go the way you want it to go. The problem is, is that then when there are, how many of us had this? We have misfortunes, we have problems, we have pain that happens in our life that it must be, it must be because there's some sin in your life. And sometimes those things come as consequences, Right? Of reap what you sow, the consequences, the natural consequences that do occur because of things we've done. It could be, but sometimes not. Or, but some people will say that, well, if you're just not happy, you've got some sin that you need to find out and you need to deal with, or you just don't have enough faith. See, if you just had enough faith, you'd be happy and all like me and everything like that. And what happens is if we're not careful, if we really buy into this and we feel like, you know, God says it, and even right here talks about us being happy. Well, I'm going to explain to you that that word that's translated in English there, and even in the old translations, uh, that word didn't mean kind of what we want it to mean today. And it could have been probably more accurately from the Hebrew, Hebrew translated something else besides happy. Because happiness has to do with the way we feel about things that are happening all around us, the way we feel on the inside about things that are happening all around us. I like that feeling that I have when I'm happy and joyful. So there's a problem with happiness. And um, we'll talk about the problem because happiness has to do with happenstance, things that happen. That's why we call it happy. Because the things that are happening are things that I want to happen and they make me feel good, so I'm happy. It has to do with circumstances. It has to do with other things that are going on. Uh, and it's a feeling that results from things that, as I says, are happening all around us. That life is going my way. I feel like I really do. I really do have a special type of gladness that I feel when things go my way. 
How often do things really go my way? <laughs> huh? How about you? You like for things to go your way, and one of the things that gets you so cranky is when things at home, things at work, things at church just don't go your way. Now, there may be other people sitting by you that they're all like, this is great, this is great, but it's not going your way. And so you are not happy. You are an unhappy camper, right? Just no, no getting around it. Uh, so as we think about that, as we think God owes us that, let's talk about the theology of happiness, the theology. I mean, where this goes is we scripturally think that this is what God wants. Here's what we begin to think, is we begin to think that, well, God wants me happy, right? He doesn't want me sad. So whatever, by the way, this isn't correct, okay? So quit writing it down saying, that, and you know, this is the thing that makes me unhappy that happens. I've had people go out of here and misquote me, and I hear someone else that has no business knowing, or, you know, that, that, that doesn't even go to our church, come back and say, oh, I heard one of your church members or somebody said, what your church said that you said, and I'm like, what? I didn't say, you know, I get misquoted. So don't go out and say, our preacher said, whatever makes me happy must be right. I'm not saying that. I'm saying some of you say that. (laughs) Are we straight on this? This is wrong. But when you try to build a theology, this is what it is. It's the circumstances that occur. That you begin to believe whatever makes me happy must be right. Hmm? Makes me happy. God wants me happy. And if it doesn't make me happy, it must not be right. It must be wrong for me, right? It's logical, you know. How can it be so wrong when it feels so right? Then you begin to think that any obstacle, or you begin to believe that any discomfort, delay, suffering, any inconvenience, any obstacle that occurs can't be God's will. It can't be God that is at work in my if, if tough times are happening, things aren't going my way. It can't be that God's at work using any of those things. That if there are problems and obstacles and things like that, then the thing about it is I just need to get some guys together and I just need to bind the devil in what's going on because it can't be God because it's holding me back. It's making me unhappy. We begin to think that. And what happens is we, we don't even realize it. It's just automatic as we go through this that, that it just automatically happens that our focus begins to shift. We don't see this happening in our own lives. We would deny it if someone confronted us about it many times. But then we begin to shift our focus off of God to the things that God provides. And we're more focused on the things that God does for us and the things that God provides for us, then we are God himself. That's what happens in the theology of happiness. We begin to worship the false gods of comfort, of money, of pleasure, and of things. But we don't call it idolatry. And you know, it's like, we, we, we're going to find out what this really means, but um, nothing wrong with having those things, but when we're focused on those things. Okay? Are you with me? Now, when we that way, we don't call it an idol. In fact, when Moses went up on the mountain, and a lot of time it went by, how much time? Yeah, it's like 40 days. And the people down there, it's like, 
All right, we're in trouble. This Moses that, that God used to, and we saw, they saw, they saw all the plagues, right? They saw God open up the sea. They saw all these miracles. How could you not believe in God? They did believe in God. They believed in this Jehovah, and Moses is proclaiming, it is the I am. It is the I am, the great God, the only God, the true God. So whenever Moses delayed, they're like, we don't know. The people starting to get rowdy. We've got to keep everybody happy, right? So Aaron caves into this theology of happiness, and he gives in. They bring their jewelry, and, you know, I like the story he tells later that, you know, they put it in this pot to melt down, out popped this cap. I didn't do it. They just kind of popped out of there, right? I don't know. It's just like a kid. I don't know how that happened, you know. I don't know how that mess got made, you know. I just say, just, huh? But, um, but, but here's what you need to notice when you read that story is that they didn't create some false god to worship since we don't know what happened to Moses and that god. No, they claimed that that god was a representation of the god that had brought them out of Egypt. So they tried to say that we're worshiping, the, we're worshiping God, we're just doing it our way. And besides that, we're having a party, right? If you read Moses, come down, there was all kinds of raunchy stuff going on. It made them happy. And they were starting to get unhappy, so we had to kind of get the... But, see, they didn't claim it was a false god. And a lot of times we claim we're worshiping the real god, but we're really worshiping a false god, and we're calling it God. have to be very careful. Another problem that begins to happen is that if we're not watching it, and we go along this line of believing that this is really what the Bible is saying, we'll begin to think this. We'll begin to end up believing that God exists to serve us. When the opposite is true, you find in the Scriptures that we exist to serve God. This is, this is how this draws out. That we somehow reduce the great sovereign, the great God who spoke everything into existence. The creator and the sustainer of the universe. We reduce him down to some type of cosmic vending machine. Right? I mean, I come to him and I put the right things in and I push the right buttons. He has to give me what I want. We do that. You know, we reduce God down to some type of formula. You know, I went to church. I prayed. I stayed on my Version Bible plan. I've been reading the Bible every day. I've got a streak going of being in the Bible on my Version app that you wouldn't believe. I've done that. That's a good thing, by the way. I even helped a little old lady get across the street the other day. I've even, I've even given money, and I've been praying and everything. So, Lord, why hasn't my headache gone away? Why, hasn't I, why haven't I got that promotion? Why haven't, uh, you know, I've been able to, to, to achieve whatever it is I'm trying to achieve? Lord, I did everything. I put everything in, right? I pushed the button. Where is it? And if you're not careful, you can begin to think that God has failed you. That's what happens. Don't you care about me, Lord? Don't you love me? I did everything you told me to do. Here's the tragedy. We begin thinking that God exists to serve us. He's like some genie up there that's there to just get me what I want. Now, you wouldn't say that, but when you really back off and look at it, that's what happens. There may be somebody here trying church just to see if, if I do this, maybe something that you're wanting to work out will work out. I can't promise you that it will. 
I don't know if it's God's will or not. But the tragedy is that when things don't work out, many walk away from God for totally the wrong reasons. They tried church. I tried church. And things just got worse. Marriage is falling apart. We tried church. We tried to go to that Bible study. We tried going to that marriage conference. And guess what? Things got worse. How many times have I heard that? You know, I prayed. I started reading my Bible. And I prayed. And I prayed. And the test still didn't come back the way we prayed it would. They say, I gave money. I even gave money. I gave money to that TV preacher. You know, I sent in my seed money. I planted my seed, and I didn't get no new car. He did. In fact, mine got repossessed. And they begin to walk away from God. Because if you believe God exists to make you happy, if what happens doesn't make you happy, then you think God has failed you. He didn't fail you. What happened was your wrong presupposition led you to a very dangerous place. And there are people that walk away from faith. They walk away from God because this whole thing's not working out the way I thought it would. I don't, how could a God that loves everybody let this happen or not do this or whatever it is? Okay, we're getting some deep issues there. Um, And we'll come back to some of those later on. Well, the thing about it is, don't get the idea that God is not delighted in your happiness. He is. I think our Heavenly Father is more delighted when we're enjoying things that happen to us in life. I think He enjoys that and is delighted in that more than an earthly father or mother enjoys seeing their kids or grandkids squeal with delight when they open their Christmas presents. You know what? I believe He does. But I want to tell you that God has something much more. Are you listening? Some of you aren't listening. you got to hear this. God wants something much more for you than just happiness that is tied to your feelings about the circumstances happening all around you. God has got something much better than that. That's why we have to say that we have to be careful about this whole pursuit of happiness that we have here in the world, and especially in our country. This is bad because Americans like, isn't it a right? I mean, isn't it a right that you and I have? Doesn't it say in there somewhere in the Bible? Remember last week, people say, doesn't it say in there? In there somewhere? Isn't it in there somewhere? No, that's the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) That's where you heard it. I'll never forget one time. See, when I was a kid, this is one of those diversions. I'm sorry, but, you know, not in my notes. But anyway, growing up as a kid, you know, and and I had really a lot of trouble in church because I couldn't relate to what was being said. I couldn't understand most of it, and I couldn't sit still or be quiet. So I got in a lot of trouble. It was a bad experience for me. But I can remember being on up toward, um, like, junior high or something like that. But in our church, we still, the church has grown a lot since then. We still just pretty much had a Wednesday night class. Everybody was kind of, and the preacher taught it, and they were studying about, you know, the Old Testament and the Ark of the Covenant and all of that. And one of the old men, one of the really old men, I remember he raised his now, I think I heard on the news somewhere that they found that thing. 
I think, and he gets all adamant about it. No, I know I heard it. They found it and all this stuff and, you know, and it proves the Bible's true and all that. And, and finally, his uh, granddaughter goes, Papa, that's the new movie that's being advertised, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It, it didn't happen that way. It's a movie. It's a movie. Uh, but sometimes we get confused like that. I've heard this. I just think it must be in the Bible. But you know, it's amazing that the Declaration of Independence talks about that we are all endowed by our Creator. Huh, imagine that. Declaration of Independence talks about us having a Creator. Oh, wow. Uh, that we're in a, that we, we, have, we are endowed with these, uh, these rights. In fact, you know, it talks about these rights that we have, and it calls them unalienable rights. Life. Huh, life's a right. Isn't that amazing? That, you know, you're actually, well, I think most of science agrees that you're actually alive before you're born. One of the first rights we have is, is, is life and liberty. And it's kind of strange that even when they wrote that, there were some humans that were in America that were actually owned as property, but like freedom is a right. Anyway, so we had a lot of stuff to work out there, right? We still do. But one of them is life, liberty, and the pursuit, the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Isn't that a right? I mean, in fact, aren't we owed this? pay my taxes, I go to church, I sat through that sermon, surely God owes me some happiness, right? Here's the truth. The truth is that he wants you to pursue him more than you pursue happiness. But a lot of people are pursuing happiness and only want to use God as a means of getting it. But the real focus is just my happiness, Things going my way, me feeling the way that I want to feel. God wants you to pursue him more than anything. And listen, he wants you to pursue him not just because of the things that he provides and blesses you with. He want, Not just all of the side benefits that come as a result. God wants you to pursue him because of who he is. And no other reason. Not for all the things that he does, but because of who he is. Number one, in fact, Jesus said in this world, guess what? He kind of gave us some bad news from time to time, did he not? Here's what Jesus said. Um, He said, seek first the kingdom of God, he says, and his righteousness. And this sounds like good news because he says all these things will be added to you. But that's the whole pursuit, the The first thing, are we really seeking the kingdom of God in our lives and our families and even in our churches? Do we want to do our own thing the way we like it and what makes us happy more than we actually seek the kingdom? He taught us to pray. When we pray the model prayer that his kingdom come, his will be done. We're to seek his kingdom, not our own. Seek the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. The thing about it is if you read that passage and using topical type message like this where you're going to need to write down a lot of verses and come back and meditate on them. And I really like just preaching through a, 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 a passage, but sometimes we need to do this, okay? We need to get down to this. You need to write these down. But if you look at the context, I want to be very careful when you do this that you don't take things out of context and twist it, which people can do and do all the time. But if you know that context, you know that He's not talking about all these things that are luxuries, even though I think most of us have tons of luxuries. What was he talking about? He's talking about not worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He's talking about the necessities of life. Was he not? 
And he's going to take care of the necessities of life. But that's not good enough for most of us. We want so much more. All right? And that's why it brings us back to 1 Peter chapter. I'm just going to put it up there. I'd like for you to find these, but I don't want you flipping around there and missing what we're saying. Just, uh, I want you to write these down. I want you to meditate on them. I want, I want to take it home. I don't want you to be something that's an activity that you're involved in here, and then you forget it when you leave. I want you to take a few notes. I want you to look back through these passages. I want you to meditate on them and, and, and ask yourself some questions and apply it and respond to it after we leave here even. Um, but in 1 Peter 1.15, here's what he says is desire for us. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. See, a lot of people mistranslate that, and they say, as he who called you is happy, uh, you also be happy in everything, right? That's not what it says. He talks about our being holy. That is being separated, being cleaned, being sanctified by God. This is the number one. More than God wants you happy, God wants you holy, separated for him. And the truth is, sometimes you and I are happy about the wrong things. In, in fact, these people that Peter is writing to, um, I don't think they would have bought into the theology of happiness because a lot of these people are going through some bad times. And, and I know there are still people that will tell you you're going through bad times and all that. There's got to be some sin. There's got to be some demon you've got to get rid of. There's got to be some, you don't have enough faith, something. But these are Christians that he's commending. And they were going through some suffering. I mean, now, they weren't just being made fun of at work. They didn't just get skipped over for a promotion because they're vocal about their faith. They were actually being arrested and beaten because they were doing what's right. And they were living out their faith in Christ. And, and, and the word suffering occurs so many times in First Peter. I'll just throw you up there, one of them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, here's what he says. This is commendable. In other words, this is a good thing. What's a good thing? He says, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Now, there's times, i got to admit it, I deserve to suffer. But he says suffering wrongfully. That it's a good thing if it's because of your relationship with God, because you don't want to break conscience with what you know God wants you to do. And you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. It says, verse 20, For what credit is it if, when you're beaten, beaten? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said, beaten. When you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. You had it coming, right? Remember we talked about that last week. Uh, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. I mean, if you just suffer because you got it coming, you know, hey, that's... No big deal. But when you do what's right and you do what's good and then you suffer as if you did something wrong, God says, I commend you. We don't like to think about that, do we? All right. So I just want to go to the next thing, and that is God does not want you happy. When? Oh, let me see. God does not want you happy when... When it causes you to do something sinful or unwise. God doesn't want you happy when you being happy causes you to do something sinful or unwise. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people that because something makes them happy, they're willing to break with Scripture and go against what God's Word says because it makes them happy. Right? It makes me happy. To be promiscuous and makes me happy to, you know, do drugs or makes me happy when I can 
beat somebody out of some money, makes, you know, whatever it is that they're willing to break with Scripture in order to try to, you know, I know the Bible says, but you know, this makes me so happy. And I don't know how many times I've seen couples call it quits. Not because that they had a scriptural, and there are scriptural reasons for divorce, and many of us have been stung by that, and you know how hard it is to deal with. But a lot of times it just comes down to one thing, is that I'm just not happy. We're just not happy. Now, through the years, I realize that there's been times that quite a lot of people in our church have prayed with me and talked to me, and you've actually said that, so I'm not remembering anybody right now, and so if you're thinking that, I'm not aiming anything, okay? Because there are a lot of times I can say, oh, a lot of times I'm not happy either, and neither is my wife. Not happy. But we call it quits. I mean, we forget about this thing that we made a covenant about for better or... We can't say it. Better or worse. I think next wedding I may flip-flop those and say for worse or better. Because, see, you got the worst. You got to learn to deal with the worst and work toward the better. You got to work toward the better. You don't just have better and there being, oh, there's some worse happened to pop in there. No, it's worse and you got to work for the better. Yeah. So, anyway, but there's a lot of times we miss out on what God wants to do. We break with Scripture because we're trying to find happiness or what we think is happiness. And then what ends up happening is we begin, when we believe that God exists to make us happy, we begin to self-empower ourselves to do what is wrong or to do what is unwise. It really makes me happy to go tell that boss off. I mean, I'm just going to tell them off. I'll tell you, boy, the way they treat me. Now, I'm going to tell them off, and you go tell them off, and you feel pretty good about it, and you walk out of there. But now you're not thinking, very. that's unwise, because all of a sudden, in a couple of weeks, you got an electric bill to pay, you got kids' mouths to feed, and you ain't got no paycheck. So maybe you should have just took it for a while longer, because you're going to need that paycheck. We're going to make me happy to just do this thing, you know. Uh, this is what, what you know, or, or you know what? Watch it. Can I, oh, you know. I, I hope I'm not making this uncomfortable because, you know, there's times you would think that, right? Unwise. That's unscriptural. Unless you're having to, you know, unless you're having to deny your faith in order to have your job. How about this one? You know, my spouse just isn't meeting my needs. So that's why I look at porn. You know, I'm just trying to stay happy, right? And what happens is, is you can begin an addiction that is just as destructive and just as real as any addiction to any drug, and you will end up frustrated and miserable, right? But see, we justify and we rationalize, right? Because... We want to be happy, right? Well, it's not my fault. It's their fault because they're not making me happy. And even entertainment. We spend money that we don't have, and then we get in tremendous pressure of financial problems, which causes a lot of marital problems, of debt because we're trying to buy things and stuff to entertain us to make us happy. 
and we go do things that really we don't need to do and go places we don't really need to go because we just want to be happy, right? Well, even, even we were talking about movies earlier. You know, there, there's been a lot of times that just to enjoy things. And I spent money I didn't need to spend and watch stuff that, that I didn't need in here, Right? I mean, there's video games, there's movies, there's maybe music. You don't need to be wasting money on because it doesn't really bring true happiness. So that's the thing. When it causes you to do something sinful or unwise, God doesn't want you happy. Amen? I'll get done quicker if I think you're really in there. Otherwise, i got to back up and try to say it again. You know me. You know what I mean? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? I'll keep saying that kind of stuff. I can't help it. And it doesn't make me happy. God doesn't want you happy also when it is based solely on things of this world. I said solely on things of this world. That it's this stuff here that will do it for me. Here's how we think it a lot of times adds up. That better possessions plus peaceful circumstances, I need everybody to get along with me, plus thrilling experiences, need good entertainment, plus the right relationships, plus the perfect experience, because we'll spend money that we don't have trying to make ourselves look like we think we need to look, right? You ever seen people that go way too far with that? Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Yeah, but we do that, and we think if we add all this together, it will equal happiness. But yet the Bible tells us something different. If it's based solely... It's based solely on things of this world. Listen what John said, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. This is a whole other sermon right here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. We see things that we want, we desire, that'll make me feel good, make me happy. Certain things that look good, lust of the eyes. Man, I want that. That's, that's attractive to me. And then the pride of life that, you know what? I'll just feel better about myself and I'll feel better than the people around me. Like, I'm like one up. I'm one up. You know, won't y'all know about this? I'm one up. I, 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 I'm a little better than you guys, right? I'm... Guys, look at it. Isn't that the way it is? When you're basing your happiness on all that, it's vicious. Because he says that that's not of the Father, it's of the world. And by the way, he reminds us in verse 17, the world is passing away. And the lust of it, all of its desires. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I mean, at best, all of this stuff turns to dust and falls right through your fingers. It's never going to do it for you. And it's destructive. The enemy wants to bring you what you want in your feelings. Because we're so feeling-oriented. We walk by sight instead of by faith. And the Bible tells us to walk by faith. But we're so feeling-oriented. And the enemy will try to bring you what you want in your feelings. But it will be very destructive to your faith. It'll be destructive to your faith. That's why Jesus informed us. Also, in John sixteen thirty three, he said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, <laughs> comparing that, you want to find it in the world? In the world, here's what you're going to have. You read it. Tribulation. But, hey, hey, 
Cheer up. Tribulation can make me happy? That's not right. It's a different kind of thing here, isn't it? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be an overcomer, amen? Huh? Only because of him, because he overcame, so can I. And then, you know, in Romans chapter 5, he talks about tribulation produces all these things, patience and all this stuff in our life. All right, so what is it then? If God doesn't want me happy, what is it that God wants? Now, that God doesn't mind, God loves to see me enjoying things and stuff like that, but if it's not my habit, if God doesn't exist to make me happy, what is it that God wants? What is it so awesome? What if it's so more than that? Whatever, what are you talking about? It's this, God wants you blessed. And I want to tell you, it's a million times better than happy. God wants you blessed. See, because you've got to remember, God wants to give you something greater than circumstantial things that go your way or feelings that just make you feel the way you want to feel when you feel a feeling. He wants you blessed. He wants you filled with the fruit of the Spirit. He wants you holy. We've already found that out. So you remember, happiness has to do with things Going the way I want. I mean, really, it does. Happenstance. And what really makes me the most happy is when everybody does and everything goes and I feel the way I want to feel. That makes me happy. I have the food to eat that I want to eat. Right? Makes me happy. See, unhappiness happened early in my life. I've told this many times, but I've still got this scar, this bad scar. You can't see it as well. I've got a new scratch, by the way. I don't know how I did that. But anyway, this scar, I do, right there. This scar is kind of faint. I did that when I was like four years old. I was like, I was like four years old. And how it happened was, is that I had a problem throwing temper fits. You ever seen a kid do that? Okay. Um, and I, 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 I know, we... I don't know how many of the grandkids have got the full version of mine, but I, I do know this, you know, I was back home like 10, 15 years ago, and one of the relative's kids was down flopping and blah, 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 like they're possessed, I'm flopping in the floor and butting their head against the floor, throwing a fit, and, and they said, oh, they're having uh, Melvin fits. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they named it after me? Is it still? Yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, I got mad and I threw a Melvin fit uh, because I, I was mad at my mom and I didn't understand physics and the, the, the storm door was closed and I hit the door and I, my hand, my little hand, I hit, I broke the glass. Uh, it wasn't plexiglass back then and it slit my wrist. It didn't get the veins, but it slid it and I had to have stitches. I'm, I don't really remember it that well, but sometimes I get a new doctor and they're kind of checking you over and they're like, um, is this something we should talk about? I'm like, yeah, my mom made the wrong kind of pie. And I was furious. And I went, wham, and hit the door. That's exactly how it happened. So you thought I would have learned, wouldn't you think? But I didn't. Um, but everything going your way. So I was unhappy. So the thing about it is, is God wants to give you. He wants us holy more than he wants us happy. He wants to give us blessing. That is to be enriched by him. What does that involve? It involves the fruit of the spirit. It involves holiness. It involves all of that. Because happiness, understand this. When it's just happy, it has to do with circumstances. It has to do with emotion. And that means how many people can mess up my day? I'll tell you, every stinking one of you (laughs) could do it. How many can mess up your day? Every one of us. 
But when you have joy, you find out it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not just like an emotion. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is a disposition of the heart and the mind that no matter what the circumstances are or no matter how you feel, you still have something, a cheer, and you have a a, a gladness and you have a thankfulness bubbling up inside of you. And no one or no circumstance or no thing or no demon of hell can steal it from you. No matter what happens. So here's the word. Here's the word that is often translated happy in the New Testament. And we'll get this wrapped up. The word is right there, makarios. And happy is probably not the best way to translate it, the way we use it now. The best way is blessed. In fact, most translations will say blessed nowadays. Blessed means blessed, supremely blessed. That's more than happy. That doesn't mean that you never get sick. It doesn't mean that you're just going to automatically get that job, that promotion. It doesn't mean that that zit that happens on the end of your nose is just going to go away. I always try to throw something in for the teenagers. You know? You have that. You don't know it. Everybody else knows it. But you, you know, uh, Anyway. I got good news for you. You start getting a little older, the acne goes away. You've got about five years, and they'll be replaced by wrinkles. So you go from cream to dry out your skin to cream to moisturize your skin. Vanity of vanities, Solomon said. Okay, get back on the sermon here. Get back on the sermon. It doesn't mean that God's going to say yes to all your prayers, but you are surrounded by the will of God and the blessings of God. And I know in Psalm 37, 4, somebody will say, oh, doesn't he say, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart? Won't he give you the desires of your heart, Pastor? Well, what if you're desiring something that's not what God desires for you? Is that what he's going to do? See, the key to that is, is looking in that, the, the Hebrew word for delight is Anog. And it means, at its base, at its root, it means, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, has some help on this, it means to be soft and pliable. So basically what he's saying is, is that we're pliable so that my will matches his will and what delights me. When I begin to delight in the things that delights him, he's going to see to it that I have delight in my heart. You're getting this? Well, I'm not very happy because it doesn't look like to me what I want to see if I think you're getting it. Okay, never mind. More than happiness. He wants to give you blessing. He wants to give you wholeness. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you love. Love's one of the fruits. The first three fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Right? Love. So that it doesn't matter how the people treat you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. You know you are supremely loved. And you have love. And you can give love and forgiveness because you have love as a fruit of the Spirit. You have joy. And you have peace. That you have a tranquility of your heart and mind that nothing in this world that you buy, no bank account, no stock going up can give you. Paul said this, Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It guards my heart. The peace of God is like a, 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 a century marching around my heart and mind guarding it. 
That's an awesome thought, isn't it? The peace of God. It, you can't even understand how awesome this peace is. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's powerful. That is so powerful. Because here's the thing. I need that. Because I don't even know what's right, what's good, what could make me happy, do I? I can know this, that when it comes to finding trouble, I've always been good at it. But there's a lot of times what comes to me looking like trouble might actually be training to help me learn to trust God more. So then what I thought would make me unhappy, and Lord, why don't you care, might be something that he wants to use to show me more about himself as I pursue him rather than things that he could provide. Maybe it is a spiritual attack, the trouble that you're having, and and it's coming from every angle. Maybe it is a spiritual attack that the enemy's coming after you. But you know what the Lord can do by the time God gets done with it? He can take whatever the enemy is attacking you with and whatever he means for evil, and by the time God's done with it, he can turn it around and bring good out of it that glorifies him. James said this. (laughs) Kind of sounds strange, doesn't it? If you think God just exists to make you happy. He said in James 1, 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That doesn't come automatic for me. Because I usually do not enjoy it. That means I don't have joy. Enjoy means I have joy in me. Right? But he says, consider it. It may not be logical. It may not be what your emotions are saying. But because you believe my word, consider it. Count it. Evaluate it as joy. Why? Because God can use it and God will use it. In fact, the next verse he says, knowing that the trial of your faith produces patience. And on and on and on, right? He's going to be where you can endure more, you're stronger, you know him more. You ever pray for patience? Clarissa Austin said she prayed for patience and got me. Then she prayed for patience one more time and she had twins. Uh, But anyway, that's what she says. You ever pray for an opportunity to come knocking And the knock comes and you open your door and you're surprised to find that on the other side of that door is opposition. I prayed for opportunity and all I got was opposition. Sometimes you need to know that they are one and the same. You need to understand this because if you just want what makes you happy, you're going to miss this every single time because sometimes the challenges that I want to get rid of were really God-sent opportunities to teach me some things and draw me closer. Well, this couldn't be of God, this, this, this opposition. This couldn't be of God, this trial. This couldn't be of God, this challenge. It might very well be of God. It might very well be. And even if it's not, if he didn't send it, he will still use it. If you walk by faith. Are anybody getting this? Maybe the enemy's fighting so hard in your life. Maybe he really is. Maybe he's really attacking. But do you ever think that maybe you can be joyful because he, maybe he's fighting you so hard because he's trying to defend some of his territory or else he wouldn't bother you. And he sees you as a threat. And I want to tell you, if we're really serious about getting into ministry and reaching lost people, I'm telling you, we're getting into a world of darkness where there is so much bondage. And I want to tell you, as we begin to try to see people's lives change, as we see people go from dead to life in Christ, we see people breaking the bondage of of, of drugs, which can affect generation after generation after generation and other bondages, you need to expect all hell to break out. 
And it does. And it will surprise you how it happens. It does me. It does me. We need to expect that. But when we respond by faith and stick to the word of God, God will even use that to deepen us and stretch us and help us. Devil's not happy getting into his territory. If he's not fighting back, then maybe we're really not doing anything. But here's what we find. I'm going to close with this. Woo! Obedience always precedes blessing. I said close. I mean, it might take me just a minute, okay? I got a Max Licato story to tell in a minute. I appreciate, though, this is what we do to just kind of help us dial it in here, right? A little bit of soft music. Lower the lights a little bit. No, we don't have to do it, but it helps. Believe me, the devil uses every tool he's got to distract you. I'm going to use everything I can. And I appreciate all the help I've got to help us focus. Obedience always precedes blessing. We've all got giants in our life that need to be slayed, do we not? That's it. The giants must fall. But you know how it starts? I mean, David that day. He didn't get an invitation from Saul. David, shepherd boy, out keeping your father's sheep, would you please come to town? And if you will do this, God will be with you and help you slay the giant. And I will make your family free of taxes. I'll give you my beautiful daughter. Didn't turn out to be such a good deal. But anyway, give my beautiful daughter as a wife and all this blessing and all this stuff can be yours if you'll just come. That's not how it started, was it? How did it start? It started by his dad calling him in from watching those few sheep to come in and said, I need you to do something for me. I need you to take all this food and this stuff down there to your brothers who are doing the real work down on the battle lines. Didn't sound too glamorous, did it? Didn't sound too great. But as a good son, he honored his father and did what his father told him. Had he not done what his father told him, he wouldn't have been down there and seen the giant and everything else of the opportunity. So what started out as looked like a hassle, looked like a challenge, was one of the biggest opportunities in his life. Goliath didn't send him some social media like, David, get off the way from those sheep and you come here and face me. Nothing like that. He didn't know who he was. It just started out of him simply being obedient to do a small, seeming like not a fun job that dad gave him. That's how it's going to happen in our lives. Obedience always precedes blessing. Max Licato tells this story about a fish that, you know, would be happy. One of the things that make us happy is just be on a beautiful beach with the ocean sound, nice sand, nice breeze. Doesn't that sound good? What if you took a fish and laid him out on the beach? Would he be happy? No, it would make me happy. Would it make a fish happy? Well, why not? Give him plenty of money, plenty of stuff cold to drink, plenty of good food and some soft music to listen to and enjoy the surf coming in. Why wouldn't that fish be happy? The reason why is he's not made for the sand. He's made for the ocean. He'll never be happy on that sand. And I want to tell you, you know why you're never going to be happy like that here 
And why you want to be blessed and have holiness and love and joy and peace and all of that that comes as a fruit of the Spirit. You want to know why that? You'll never be happy here. Why? Because of this. You were never created for this world. Just like the fish wasn't created for the sand. You were created for God. You were created for heaven. You were created for eternity. And I don't care what you try to do and what you try to find. Until you find Him, you're never going to find that peace. You're never going to find that joy. You're never going to find that love. You're never going to find any happiness that will last. But you find Jesus, it doesn't matter what happenstance is, you're still going to have the joy and the blessing and the peace and the power and the love. God wants you more than happy.